Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast. My twin brother and I are thrilled to be joined by our next guest. Gerald Leonard is a professional bassist, speaker, corporate trainer, author, and the owner of Principles of Execution. His books include Culture is the Base and Workplace Jazz. In Culture is the Base, Gerald uniquely correlates the culture of an organization to an orchestra. In his latest book, Workplace Jazz, How to Improvise Nine Steps to Creating High-Performance Agile Project Teams, he takes the concept even further. Gerald, welcome to our show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it, Dave and Danny. By the way, from time to time, this is Danny. When we are doing our show, you'll hear David say, this is David, and you'll hear Danny say, this is Danny, just to make sure the audience knows who is who. Some t- well, because we do this so that you know that David isn't one talking all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. Man, if you get confused on who's speaking, listen to the words of wisdom coming out and realize that's probably Danny. <laughs> all right, back to the show. So... I love music. I, I played trumpet my whole life and clarinet. Okay. I was a, a classical trumpetist. And then one day oh, wow. a friend said, you should try jazz. And it was, a, it was foreign to me because I did not know how to improvise. I, all I knew my whole life was to follow sheet music. Right. That was it. I just only knew how to follow sheet music. And if there was any improvising to be done, it was because the conductor said so. <laughs> that was the most furthest I've ever been until I tried to ask. And so when I think about your book and I think about what you're doing, it is amazing to me because I understand the intricities of music and intricities of following a composer and everything about that. So let's talk a little bit more about the fact that you took a book, you blended training, leadership, music, you put it all together in this new type of leadership model. I, I love that. I'd like to understand a little bit more if you can, uh, without giving away your book, but give a little bit more background on how you blended all three of these areas, the leadership world, the music world, and your own personal experience, and you were able to put it together. Yeah, well, it really started, you know, I went to college for, for music. So I did my bachelor's and master's in music as a classical and jazz bass player. So I've always kind of played both. And the reason I did that was I wanted to make a living. <laughs> playing music. Um, and, and I realized that if I couldn't play classical or do a show in classical, well, there was always jazz or I could always play in R&B. And if I learned how to read, you know, I would always be in, in demand. And if I could play jazz and so on and so forth. Um, I did that for a while. And as you guys know, I, was, I spent some time in the ministry for about eight, you know, eight, nine years. And then the bug really hit me again to really get back into music. At that time, you know, I had a couple of kids and married. And I really wanted to, and the other thing was my dad was always there for me. So I couldn't see myself 
being a jazz musician who went on the road. And at that time, music was really different than all the technology we have right now. So to make a living, you really had to like, you know, kind of wave by to your family and go for months and months. And I couldn't see myself doing that because that wasn't how I grew up. And so I switched careers and I got into IT. And in fact, I got into IT when you could spell, well, if you could spell IT at the time, you could get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But what I did, what I did with that was I kept doing both. I kept playing concerts. I get called to do shows. I, I would get called to do things where I had to read music. And so it really kept my skills up as a musician because I've been playing since I was 12 years old. I'm 58 right now. And, uh, and so then I, I'm consulting on one hand, I'm playing music on the other hand. And then I started noticing, and maybe it was a subconscious uh, earlier in, in my career, because it really became more concrete and more conscious in my thinking uh, earlier on, later on, after I started doing a lot of speaking and other things. But I really started noticing that um, really good project teams in business that work together well, had the same feel. Mm. a groove that a, a really good uh, jazz group or, or, or band had. And, you know, and, and it's interesting, you, you know, I laugh when you said, you know, you were classically trained, which I didn't know that, which is awesome. Uh, so you really, you really get what I'm talking about here. Because uh, I'm actually classically trained as well. You know, I learned how to read and the whole nine yards and upright. But the difference is when you're playing jazz, you have to learn the language. And the way you learn the language Honestly, Victor Wooten expressed it better, best in his in one of his books and in a speech he gave. He goes, when you're learning the language of jazz, it's like learning to talk as a child. Mm. Right. So as a child, we're amateurs. Right. At, at the at the language that we're we, we're growing up with and we start trying to speak it. But here's the difference. We get to practice with professionals all day long. Because as a child, you're talking to your parents or your older siblings or other adults, and they're speaking correctly. So you hear it spoken correctly. You try it. They, they may guide you. They're not going to harshly correct you. They're going to guide you, and they're going to play along with what you're doing until as, as you get better and you get comfortable with it. Well, jazz, learning jazz is the same way. It really is a separate language other than classical music. Because classical, everything's written for you. you got to learn the interpretation and how to play and so on and so forth. But with jazz, you have to really learn the language and you have to really learn your instrument. You have to really know, you know, the neighborhood of your instrument really well. So then over time, you put the two together. Then you have this free flowing feel of, you know, you can really play. And then you can actually forget about the instrument. And you then when you're playing with other people, you listen, you watch. You pay attention. You're in, you're engaged, and that creates this beautiful symphony of uh, an orchestration of what we call jazz. And so I saw that in the and in, in from the standpoint of how it works in the working world as well. And that's where the whole concept of workplace jazz came about. I love it, Gerald. That's a good point. This is David, and it's really such an incredible concept to think about the times I've been to the symphony, taking my wife to the orchestra, and you really admire the way that every single instrument comes together and the sound they do individually to create this beautiful music all together. Right. And you bring that into the workplace, really emphasizing how important it is for every single component of that organization to be working in harmony 
to create a beautiful, working, thriving organization. It's incredible how you were able to blend it. I, I, kudos to you for being able to take your love and your passion for music, put it into the workplace. Right now, I want to really encourage our listeners, if you're listening to this program, take a moment, if you haven't already done so, and subscribe. Subscribe on your favorite platform and give us a five-star rating. We definitely need your support. And your support encourages us to continue to bring incredible guests like Gerald onto our program. Gerald, speaking of organizational culture, yeah. let's talk about the last year of our country here in the United States. With all that's gone on outside of the health pandemic, we're talking about the, the challenges that we've now seen, or at least we're now quote unquote waking up to seeing, yeah. challenges even with culture, race, even in our organizations. So when you think about the growing awareness for diversity, inclusion, training in our organizations, can you speak to how your specialty, which probably speaks to you being ahead of the game, of really bringing in this sense of every idea, every diverse background, every single leader to say you matter and you're playing your part creates a beautiful, strong organization. Can you talk about that a little bit? I can. So, so here's one of the concepts I have in my book, and it really boils down to, and I kind of start off the book this way by, uh, it's not an admonishment, but it's, a, it's an encouragement for leaders, for managers of organizations to really see their employees or their staff different. When a conductor comes into a major symphony and he stands in front of the podium, you know, he doesn't tell the cellist or the, the viola or the violin or the oboist or any of the other orchestra uh, uh, groups or sections, how to tune their instrument. Mm -hmm. He doesn't tell them how to play their instrument. He says, you know, this is the vision of the piece that we're gonna play, whether it's Beethoven or Brahms or Strakowski or Stravinsky or any of those other major uh, uh, composers. And his goal is to shape the sound and to direct the group. Mm -hmm. So he has to treat each of those sections as experts, you know, you, you, you have the cellists, you have the violas, you have the violinists, and the same thing with the jazz ensemble. Everyone comes into that group. They're treated as experts and they're treated with respect for the skills that they've developed. You see, one of the challenges that business has had for the longest time is that many managers felt like they needed to manage by walking around. And I was talking to somebody the other day, they said that, that, that right now that's become a struggle for them because they no longer have that ability to manage by walking around. But if you adopt a workplace jazz mentality and you see your staff, you see your employees as competent and skilled artists at their craft, whether they're a bookkeeper, accountant, developer, analyst, or whatever, and then you go, okay, you guys are going to bring your skills to the table and it's my job as the conductor of this orchestra or the symphony to create this beautiful sound and create this great vision and all and for all of us to take this trip together and experience. But it also puts me in a place as the conductor where I have to listen to the section heads. I have to listen to the various instrumentalists to realize that they have something to add to this piece that I don't have the skills to bring. But if I'm open and I'm willing to engage with them from that perspective, then not only do I bring my overall vision and, and, and 
and focus to, to what we're trying to accomplish. But I get the collective engagement and buy-in from every person who's involved in the organization. And now they're, they're kind of engaged and they're buying in. And here's the thing. Organizations today that after 2020 that are thriving, think of Netflix, you think of Microsoft, you think of Intel, you think of just some of these major organizations, even uh, Nordstrom and, and other organizations like that, um, that are brick and mortar. They have taken that mentality of our people are artists, our yeah. people are experts, and we need to treat them that way. Organizations that have had to close their doors they kept the rank and file and and authoritative and micromanaging and walking around, you know, management by walking around mentality, and their people felt stifled. They did not give them creative ideas. They didn't share with them new possible ways to in, reinvent the business, and because of that, it hurt their bottom line. And now they had to close their doors or even file for bankruptcy and they're out of business and they're gone and they probably will never come back. But the ones that were agile and they're thinking they're back and they're doing better. Than, in fact, they're making more money than they've ever made before because they found new audiences. They found new new uh, revenue streams. They found new opportunities because of, of that concept. And it's really just a, it's a mental shift. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. You've heard the rumblings. You've even thought of starting your own, but how? Everybody knows podcasting is the fastest and best way to get your message out and grow your business all at once. Although everybody knows this, nobody showed you what to do. Well, Podcast Nation is ready to do all that V-lifting for you while you just deliver your message and grow. Join the nation and start your podcast today. Text podcast to 929-244-4323 and make them hear your voice. voice. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, by the way. That That is so profound. Uh, there's so many things I want to ask just upon that statement, but I'm going to take a step back a little bit. Um, when I think about the fact that this pandemic really did a, a number on American businesses, uh, specifically African-American businesses, where we had 46% of African-American small businesses go out. And when I look at the demographic, and then I look at the profile of the business, how it's structured, right? absolutely correct. When it comes down to allowing people to have the ability to make decisions was the key compared to authoritative style where I have to micromanage every little thing there is. Exactly. And also during the pandemic, uh, we started a nonprofit uh, and we received funding from Microsoft and some other smaller sponsors 
And one of the things we had to do is take a step back. We all run our own full-time jobs and we have this nonprofit that we set up and get going is that we had to give each person authoritative decision say, look, if it's, if, if it's under this dollar amount, right. You don't need my approval. You don't need the board approval. And the, the problem when you start a nonprofit, you have to go through a board to make decisions, not just one person. Now you have to go through four people, right. And, and slow down things a lot. And so yeah. we had to put a structure in place to say, look, we hired you because at the end of the day, you're an expert in this particular function. I'm not. Right. I'm a generalist. So we have to give you the freedom to do your job. Otherwise, we're not going to make anything happen. Right. And, and you state you stated so eloquently that the conductor, his or her job is to interpret this piece and bring it to fruition. It's not his or her job to take the individual musician and say, okay, you need to tune your piece. Right. right? You're out of tune. I mean, because we all know how it is in the very beginning. We get there, we warm up, we, we, we'll go and, and we'll get a tuning fork or, or some people, they use a piano uh, and we, we tune our instruments. And not only do we tune it, sometimes it sounds like we're, we're not tuning it, but in reality, we're going to make that thing play the way we want it to play. Exactly. So we're going to bend the will of that instrument uh, to our will. So right. the fact that you have this whole team working together, and that's why I think your book is so perfect. The, we wanted to entitle this episode, as Dave was saying earlier, we wanted to entitle this episode, Workplace Fusion. It's like taking traditional fusion of jazz, rock, and business and the corporate culture and combining it all together. Yeah. And, and you, in your, in your work, in your book, you're the master conductor, helping everybody understand how important their pieces are, helping everyone understand that you can share your story. And I think so many times little pieces think, well, I don't have a story to share. You do. I mean, yeah. sometimes we think about, okay, in jazz, yes, each individual, the bass will play, the musician, the, the voice will play, the drums will play. Everybody has their own little piece. Okay, that, they're telling their story. But in jazz, that's easy to see. But in classical music, you're just telling your story as well. Exactly. But just they may not see it. Your piece may seem so small, but in the conductor's eye, he or she, they see the whole thing. And, right. they, and because of what you've done, you've made the piece come to life where the audience can see that piece come to life. And so you put it all together and you made it all happen in your book and you're, you're helping corporate corporations understand that so this one question could you be during your training or you be delivering your speech and you're telling your story how are you getting each individual piece in the corporation to understand that because everybody's important right everyone is, is valuable and, and specifically during this pandemic where everyone is work from home everyone's remote right and i could talk about that from an it perspective because i'm in it but we're not going to talk about that today but in your book how are you going to corporations today and helping them understand that every member of your team is very important. Every member of your team has to have some form of autonomy in order to complete the job, in order to grow and be successful. Yet we're all part of this big master sheet, this big masterpiece as the CEO is being the conductor. Right. That's a lot of stuff going on at once. How are you making that happen? Uh, do so, you want people to read your book before you meet with them? I, I mean, how are you making that happen? So one of the things that I'm doing is besides the book, I'm also, uh, and I'll be releasing this in the <laughs> middle of next month, probably around the, the middle to the end of next month. I have an online course that's that's in development called Workplace Jazz. Okay. And basically it has about 26 different tools mm -hmm. and templates of things that, that go along with the, 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 the concepts. It has facilitators guides, it has worksheets, it has videos. And the goal of it is to provide not only the book, but access to the course so that they get an experiential component to this, this concept. Because 
workplace jazz it's a mindset it's not a technology it's not well if you just do these things then you're doing you're getting this workplace jazz mindset it's like an agile mindset mm. it's more of a something that you have to learn to uh, adopt and become mm -hmm. and then what i do in my consulting is as i'm working with my clients and you know whether it's you know just straight out project management or portfolio management consulting or governance or or, or you know whatever they've brought me in for the, uh, within my uh, skill set or you know the concepts of neuroscience or whatever i i use these principles of music of neuroscience of workplace culture to basically help them understand if we're going to roll out a, a specific software product or integrate it with a system have we thought about it from this perspective? Have we thought about it from the current culture of the organization? And based on everything else that's going on in the organization, are we introducing the right amount of change at the right amount of time so that people can digest it? You know, if I have a huge picture of water, of changes that need to happen, <laughs> right? I can't bring a program in and say, let's do a boot camp. And within the next three days, you're going to drink this entire thing of water. And that's a lot of times what companies try to do. Yeah. They go, you're going to drink this entire cup of thing of water. So what you have to do is go, okay, here's what we're going to do, but it may take us a year to get through this. But if we're going to take every day, we're going to take a sip or a cup of water and we're going to take a drink and we're going to get comfortable with it. And, I, and a perfect example of this is one of my clients is a, a large state organization. And they have uh, across the state about a thousand project managers and, you know, government workers, right? And many of them 15, 20 years um, in, in working. So, you know, in their mind, they're not thinking about, hey, let's work on the latest and greatest innovative technology. They're thinking, you know, how much longer do I have before I retire? Because my retirement is guaranteed, <clears throat> right? So their mindset is not one that I want to just change right away but they needed to adopt some new processes and new technologies and, and new systems to really get to another level. So what I did with my team is we looked at the current culture and we said, you know, let's, let's treat the first part of this project as what we would call curb and gutter work. If you've ever watched the new, uh, a new development being built, what do they do? They come in, they break up the ground, they put in all the piping, they put in the roads, they put in the sidewalks, they put in all the utilities, and then they cover everything back up. So you look at it and you're like, well, that's not much changed. But underneath, there's a whole new system going on. There's a whole new flow. So what we did was we implemented a whole new infrastructure underneath the technology and changes that they were using. So by the time they saw the new technology, and we only gave them one or two things to do in the new technology, in the first iteration, they had all the benefits of this new infrastructure underneath them. So by the time they really got to understand what was going on, they really loved the process, but they were also put in a position to be able to handle the change. Because a lot of times organizations struggle, one, too much change at one time happening and people get overwhelmed. And two, um, we're not taking into consideration their current culture or what the culture is going to look like when we get them to where we want them to be. And is everyone going to buy in yeah. right. to that culture? Yep. That's a great point, Gerald. This is David. And I love how we're really talking about bringing everything together. And there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. There's so much that goes on when it comes to foundation. Ultimately, the goal with 
your training, what you're focusing on with these organizations is to create this sense of harmony. Right. We're all doing it together. We're all together greater than we are individually. Yeah. And so it leads to this question of music. Now, I'm not a musician. My twin is. He got that side of the brain, apparently. And so from what he shares with me and from what I understand about music is that when music is played together, when you're playing in a band, when you're playing with this symphony, an orchestra, a group, right. there's a sense of how musicians, artists are impacted by developing a different mindset. They develop this attitude um, or this thought process that really process of mirroring neutrons or neurons rather. And so it kind of like activates more because they're together than they are alone. It's kind of exactly. like getting the creative juices bubbling when you're with a lot of other people. It's that sense of synergy. Can you talk about that, not just from a music standpoint, but how about in an organizational standpoint? Exactly. Okay. So so think about it from this perspective. When you're walking down the street, you can be in a crowd of city. Let's say you're in New York or you're Chicago, some, some large city, and everyone kind of has a frown on their face. But then you notice a couple or you notice some friends, and they're kind of talking, and they're smiling. Yeah. And they and your eyes kind of catch each other and they smile. What are you gonna do? Smile. You're gonna smile. You're, 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 you're not even gonna think about it. You're gonna automatically smile back. Why? Yeah. Because all of us have been given something called mirror neurons. Even animals have been given mirror neurons. I was watching a, a video the other day, and there was this a lady and her dog exercising, hmm. and then they were filming a dog watching them and the other dog was actually doing all the exercises that the lady and the dog were doing. Mm. How did this animal know? Well, because even animals have what we call mirror neurons, right? And so when you think about an organization, people don't listen to what you say. They hear what you say, but they don't listen to what you say. Mm. Yep. They actually listen and take in what you do. True. So the example that you set is actually what gets communicated. And so the principle of a mirror neuron is if you want to have a, let's call it a quote, workplace jazz mentality in your organization where everybody's working together and there's this vibe and you're producing a high performing team, then guess what? You as the leader, you have to set the example. It's just like a parent and a child. If the parent, you know, let's say there's a there's a, a beautiful woman and she has a daughter and she kept tell, telling her daughter, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful. But yet when she's at home by herself and the daughter watches her and she makes comments like, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that, or, you know, whatever. And then the daughter grows up to have a poor self-esteem. You're mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, how did that happen? It, was, it wasn't that the daughter didn't hear those words, you're beautiful. It was she saw right. her mother looking down on herself. And so they pick it up from the standpoint of, from the example. And so in the same way, we have to lead by example. You know, someone said, you know, hey, if somebody does you wrong, you know, get even. No, don't get even. Get ahead. Just let it go and move on and get ahead and keep growing and keep being. Then people are going to look and go, wait a minute. This person, no matter what is going on, they're keep moving forward 
there's something more to them than than you know what everybody else is saying. And so even in those situations, by setting the example, you're able to just move forward. And really, that's the whole principle. And it really plays out. And I'll go this as a musical example in jazz. You know, when you see, you know, uh, part of my book, I talk about like this example of four major artists coming up and playing. And then one of them comes to the mic and they start soloing and everyone else gets quiet and they're listening intently. Right. And you can kind of see it. You can kind of see the club scene. You can see the guy solo and the band's following and he takes it to a different level and everybody else goes to that different level. And you're just caught up as time stands still. Why? Because everyone's watching and they're listening, but they're also watching. And the mirror neuron effect even is impacting you as an audience because you're caught up in their performance and it's taken you to a whole new place. You forgot about work. You forgot about the argument. You forgot about this. We forgot about that because now you've been taken up to this whole new place. So the mirror neuron impact is extremely powerful if we understand how to use it. Nice. I love it. And this is David, by the way, uh, Gerald, it's amazing to be able to hear that the simple example can mean everything in an organization, yeah. everything in a marriage, everything in a family. I love that. And it's really encouraging to be able to see that if you're setting the right example, that it could be replicable, it could be remodeled, it could be done again and again and again from top executive C-suite and mid-management to the very first day of a new employee exactly that's that's awesome i want to take a real quick pivot here because one thing that i want our audiences know is that gerald and i are great friends i really admire gerald we both are organizational trainers we're both public speakers and gerald did this tedx talk so i'm gonna embarrass you a little bit gerald here but i use that tedx talk in so many of my workshops because in his talk he actually said, what if practice is the performance? Right. We talk so much about muscle memory. We talk so much about when you do the right things over and over again, it's going to come natural. And so we want people to become better speakers, better leaders. And yes, it's going to seem awkward at first. Right. But the way Gerald breaks it down is it's a little by little, making the little adjustments here, little adjustments there, little adjustments here. But more than that, more than that, it's your integrity and your example as a leader. Right. These things are what's going to help the organization change. So, Gerald, I do talk about you all the time, just so you know. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting for my credits in your next book. So <laughs> I, I, I use it because I want people to understand that that you can make a big difference to your company if you practice the right things. So, Gerald, once you know your part, once you're able to practice that part to perfection, what else can help an organization move forward? We talk so much about recognition. How do you help companies to be able to acknowledge or help when the employee or that key director is playing their part per, to, the per, to perfection to make sure that that continues on in the organization. So one of the things that you can do is I call it, it it's two things. One is surrender to support and another one is being open to feedback. Nice. Right. So now so the concept of surrender to support is um, I'll give an example. Um, and he's become a good friend of mine. His name is David Dyson. He's the bass player for Pieces of a Dream and L3. Uh, really, I mean, amazing bass player. And I met him at a Gerald Veasley's bass boot camp. Um, if you're a bass player and you've never heard of that, check it out. Gerald Veasley's bass boot camp. It's awesome. You can go. Anybody can go. But anyway, um, David Dyson, um, he's just one of those guys that, that um, he, if you didn't know the name or the groups, 
you would just hear the baseline, but you wouldn't know a lot about him. Mm. And here's why. He is an amazing composer. He's an amazing bassist. And for many of his songs on those albums, he plays the back part. And in fact, I have in my book, when I talk about him in my book, I have a link to where they were uh, awarded and um, brought into the R&B Hall of Fame. Wow. Right? R&B Hall of Fame. And during their performance, they're playing one of his songs. He's the music director. He's the composer. The entire song, he's sitting in the back just laying down the bass track. He doesn't take a solo. He doesn't step up. He doesn't do any of that. I mean, the guitar player's doing this and the piano player's doing that and so on and so forth. He's just kind of created this culture and this environment around him, and he's helping everybody else to shine. But yet he, he's the mastermind behind the concept. And so I, and I, so I used him as the epitome of someone who is, who's created this cult culture in his band called Surrender to Support. Now, here's the interesting part. Because of his mentality and because of the way he plays, he has been the basis for Jonathan Butler, Gerald uh, Albright. Um, I, I mean, just just Pat. I mean, just, you just go down the list of major artists, there. and they all go. You know, Peter White. We, we want David Dyson because we know he's going to lay down the baseline and he's going to help me to shine. Yep. And so he's one of the hardest working bass players today. In our, in our in 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 the world, and he's an amazing guy. Now the other one is called uh, being open to feedback. Mm. And one of the things I learned in in my in my research and in, in, in the book, because each of the steps of the book, you know, not only do I have a couple of stories of musicians and business consultants who exemplify the concepts, but I also then talk about the neuroscience of that principle. And one of the things with open to feedback is that the highest paid people in the world love feedback. Well, how do you mean? Well, there were, I, I did some research and found that there were 10 world-class athletes from various different fields. And over a 10-year period of time, they all made, just the 10 of them, $6 billion Wow. in their salaries and endorsements. Just six, Just 10 people over 10 years made $6 billion with a B. And the thing that set them apart was they all had coaches. Nice. Mm -hmm. They all went after being coached. They all went after being, you know, for someone to hold them accountable because they realized at that level, if I can get a second faster, if I can reduce my, my golf swing by one or two strokes, if I can become a millimeter better, if I can jump just a, a tiny bit higher, it's going to set me apart. And, you know, the, the horse that wins the race actually wins by a nose, not by a horse length. Yeah. They usually win by a nose, which means all I got to do is be 1% better. Yep. That's guy. And that only happens when you get feedback and you get coached. And the interesting part is with musicians, if as you're studying, you're naturally constantly being coached and challenged and trained. And if you're going to be a professional musician, then you know that just, that's just a part of life. And for me, that was one of the things that I brought into the business world was that I realized that just like in music, I needed a coach, I needed a trainer, I needed a teacher, I needed coaches in business. And so that's what I've done. I've reached out and to, to get coaches and people to help me to grow my business and to learn how to do these things. And so those two concepts, surrender to support and being open to feedback. 
That's that's this is Danny, by the way. That is um, that is so deep. You're absolutely correct. I think about my brother and I. We grew up. We played tennis as well, and we we both had different favorite tennis players. And one of the things that I think about when it comes to these professional athletes making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, even doing commercials and advertisements and and being having sponsors, they all have coaches. You're absolutely correct. They all have coaches to help get them to the next level. You may be the best in the world, but you might need that one little push to keep you 1% better than everyone else. As you mm-hmm. said, that, that was so eloquently put together. Even in my own practice. So my practice, I have, I have two coaches. I have my, my wife has actually created coaching mindset programs for, for my managed service uh, professional partners. So I run a business that coach MSPs and helping them to get to the next level. And we say, hey, how do you wanna grow your business? Uh, I think another 10%, no, 100% growth this year. What? We, we, we're like, look, you can do 100% growth this year. We created the infrastructure, as you said, Gerald, it take a little sip here and there. Over a 12 month period, we built that framework, the, the things you don't see underneath the street. So right. you, you have the capacity to scale to 100% growth this year. And so she's created programs in that mindset. And then my twin brother, identical twin brother, David, has created executive coaching programs to help us break through that mindset barrier where we can trust our employees to go out and do the things they need to do, that we can trust our vision that it can come take place. And so it is very important to get all these coaches together to coach each other to help us to be better. And right. I think sometimes we think I've made it or I have a successful practice, but we don't realize that we do need that coach to yeah. be able to say the things that we need to hear. You, right. you said it so perfectly. I remember um, we were playing and I, start, I first made the transition to jazz. And here I am, I, I'm listening, I, I'm feeling, and people saying, okay, this is your turn. And, and, and they don't say it out loud. And they're looking at me like, okay, you ready? Go ahead, step on in. I know you're feeling it. And I'm like, all right, I'm feeling it. 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 Okay, when are you going to go in? Come on, man. <laughs> I've queued you up. It's time to go in. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling it. Okay, I'm feeling it. You just got to go. Yeah. And, and when I went, when I went in for the first time and I could feel that I was actually keeping the beat and I was counting, keeping the rhythm, but I didn't give, I didn't give me, I kind of just went with it yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't me. And then afterwards the group got together and said, Danny, that was poor. Well, the audience may not have known right. any difference because you didn't miss a beat. You, you went with the flow, but it wasn't you. Right. You weren't creative. You weren't giving it your wall. You weren't, and essentially the way they said, you weren't making love to your songs. You weren't making love to your, to your trumpet. Right. And we could see it. And I said, well, I was just afraid. I was afraid. I didn't know. I, they, hey, step out. If you love your trumpet and you love your music, step out. Exactly. And they didn't have to go any more deeper than that. But it was, it was just that notion that they could hear and they could feel. The audience may not have known it, but they got on me. Exactly. And I exactly. think- your aspect of your consulting practice even you said you needed to get a coach and the coaches need to get a coach these ceos of these big corporations when you sit down with them you're coaching them in essence so that they can be better they can take that business one percent higher they can make their business stand out one percent better and allow their brand to stand out one percent that is that is fantastic and i love how you're able to put all that together so it's not a question i'm asking it's just more of the the admiration 
that that you're able to sit down with these organizations and, and help them to see things from that perspective. I, I just think that's just phenomenal. Excellent, excellent. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Thank you for checking out the Twins Talk It Up podcast. If you're enjoying this program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon at patreon.com slash DSB Leadership Speaking. Also consider leaving a great rating on iTunes and comment on our other platforms. If you would like more information or would like to become a guest on a future episode, please send a message via our website, www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. I want to say this. This is David. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in because it seems like you guys are about to go down a road and a tangent. I can't keep up. <laughs> hey, man, I, I got my it. jumping in the closet right behind me. We, we might as well go ahead and do some playing right now. I got my bases back here. I'm ready to go, man. All right, let's, go, let's go. And I'll just sit there and listen. I don't know what else. But I'll tell you this, though. Even as someone who's not trained, and I don't have the ear for understanding music the way you guys do, I appreciate good music. And I can sit there and literally get caught up into people who love their craft. And I get moved by that because I believe so much in seeing people thrive in what their gifts are. Yeah. And we see this in organizations all the time where you have people that come in and they just love what they do. They found their why. They found their reason or their little widget to make the company go. Yeah. And we've got to continue to support that. We've got to acknowledge that. We've got to be able to do whatever we can to create a culture around these rock stars staying so they don't leave, right? right. You, saw, you guys see how I threw in the word rock stars, right? To make it seem <laughs> like I knew what you guys are doing. But <laughs> let me let me ask this question, Gerald. Let's let's just let's get let's bring it back here. We're in 2021. We've been we've been really as a world going through this challenge of how to recover, how to push through this health pandemic. Right. And people say, we got to get back to normal. No, this is our normal for now. Yeah. So we've had a lot of challenges. And so you see these organizations, as my twin brother Danny stated, that a lot of them have gone, on, gone under. They've closed their doors for good. Yeah. What advice would you give right now to helping some of these firms who are still feeling this pinch, this sense of desperation? How can they solidify? How can they pivot? And what can we do to prepare these companies or what I would say is this is our normal for the time being. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the things I was thinking about, because I was talking to someone else about this, and it, it, it really boils down to embracing the constraint that we all are facing. You know, one of the most difficult things to deal with in life is when you're faced with reality, but yet you don't want to face reality. 
Right. You don't want to call it reality. You call it something else. Well, I don't have COVID. I got something else. All right. Uh, or this is not going on. I got the. It's like no. This is the difficult. Right. We're 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 all kind of stuck in some ways behind a computer if we can even afford a computer, or we have internet access. You know, there's a lot of us in the world that don't even have these pleasures, mm-hmm. uh, or these 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 tools. Mm-hmm. And so first, it's it's just being real about where you are. But then once you understand the constraint and you're real about where you are, realizing that, okay, for me to think outside the box, I got to get outside the box, yep. right? And sometimes the box is just your own head. Yep. So it may be, you know, as a business owner, you're saying, hey, I need to go and network over Zoom with some other business leaders who are trying to figure this thing out and let's all put our heads together and come up with ideas. And someone's going to say something that I hadn't thought about that could actually be the key to unlock growth in my business. Right. And so if we first don't, if we first face reality of the constraints that we're, that we're going through and realize that, Things are different. There's a new normal. This is not like, you know, we're going to go back to pre 2020. There's a, there's just a flat out new normal. And in fact, a lot of the technological changes or challenges that have happened in the last year, they were projected to happen over the next five years. But because of the pandemic, we've, we've like accelerated five years in advance with technology just to be able to keep up. So if you're not getting other people and thinking outside the box, whether it's listening to great podcasts, listening to other thought leaders, listening, reading books, you know, uh, just kind of searching for for things outside of yourself, where you get innovative answers, um, then you're dead. Yeah. And so one of the first, again, is face the reality of where we are, but then get answers from outside yourself of others who are learning to tread water. And and at this point, you know, being successful may simply be, I can, you know, I'm not a great swimmer, but I can at least tread and dog paddle and I'm not drowning. Yes. And then once I, you know, once I get comfortable treading and dog paddling, then I can find someone, oh, he's actually learned how to, to, to take a breaststroke and swim in the current. So what, what that means is, you're going to have to get stronger. Um, here's a here's a great example, or or, or an example. Uh, I recently bought a Peloton. I think I, I yep. sent you a picture of it, Dave. Mm-hmm. And I love this bike. And here's why: um, because of my TED talk, six weeks before my TED talk, and I tell a little story here. Six weeks before this TED talk, I had a major bout with vertigo, yep. and the vertigo situation wiped out what's called the vestibular system. So basically you balance and stand because of visually, because of your vestibular system and because of your feel. I actually lost the ability to walk six weeks before that TEDx talk that you talk about. I remember that. I remember that. And it was, you know, facing the reality, but then realizing that in this reality, I realized that God had given me a gift. Yep. And that gift was, I was a musician. Mm. And the neuroscience says, if you're a musician and you play your instrument, 
it activates your brain. And if there's any damage in your brain, then your brain will figure out how to work around that damage and rebuild itself. And so as soon as I could sit back up, I started practicing my base and walking a little bit. Mm -hmm. And within three weeks, I could walk into my doctor's office for my first exam. And then three weeks after that, I walked on stage and delivered that TEDx talk. That, That experience changed that entire talk. It made it authentic. It made it genuine because I was speaking from experience yeah. of having lost the ability to walk. Yeah. Now that's a constraint. Yeah, it is. It's the same kind of constraint as we're dealing with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so you might've lost the ability in your business to walk, but you have to step back and go, wait a minute, there is a way out of this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it may be that the very gift or thing that's going to help me get out of this, I, I'm, it may be something I have in my backyard. It's like acres of diamonds. It may be the thing that I have in my backyard that's going to help me get out. And maybe what's in your backyard, or maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your children, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a network of other people who can give you input and feedback about your business and share with you things about yourself that you hadn't been able to see or you didn't want to see. But now by being open to that, you're starting to see different ways. And maybe it might require you to do some things that it's not exactly sexy or are or, or, or highly, you know, just um, um, attractive that, that you want it, but it's going to help you tread. Yeah. It's going to help you keep the, keep the doors open and you build from there. Yeah. And so that's, and that's what I've learned. And in fact, honestly, for me, 2020 was a very constraining year, but it was probably my best year in business. Wow. Yeah. I sold part of my business. I started another business. I finished my book. I developed some courses that I'm having finished right now. And I moved probably further along in my business than I ever had. I recorded three songs mm-hmm. with a Grammy nominated producer. And mm-hmm. I learned to work virtually in ways that I would never have worked before. And I've had clients from India to Serbia to, to, to the US, all over the world, because I had to learn how to work differently. Mm. This is Danny. I am. Um, I'm blown away. I, I'm. Man, that is fantastic. I think. Man, I don't even know where to begin with this one. This is, this is amazing. When you think about the fact that you were able to do your TEDx talk from authenticity, and I think sometimes when we look at uh, speeches, or we look at real, li- we look at people in life lead. We ask ourselves, is this leader authentic? Yeah. Does this leader really care about me? Does this leader really care about the individual employee? And I think about all these things. And I'm like, wow, to have a personal experience, to be able to share from the heart, people see that. They're impacted by that. And as you stated earlier, how the dog was able to see another dog and, and, and a, a person do right a form of exercise and imitate it. It's the same with business. It's right. the same with sales. When I've led global sales team, I've had to look at the mindset. Okay. And the positivity around the room and everyone share. It just sounds silly, but we're cheerleaders. We're yeah. in there cheering each other on. We close the deal. Hey, everyone's excited. Everyone gets excited. We're smiling. We're laughing. When something bad happens, it's okay. It's like the volleyball team. The, the one bad, one bad spike, or one bad hit. They don't care. They get together. They huddle up. They pick each other up. They give high fives. They move on. They sit in their position. They get ready for the next, the next serve. And so 
we, we see these things happen in business, right. but it was because of the fact that the sports world does it. They understand the mindset. Yeah. The music, the musicians, they understand the mindset, but for some reason in the business world, <clears throat> we lost that mindset. We were never taught the mindset. And so you were able to get all this and put it together and transform it. And one of the things that I thought was quite interesting is that you talked about your challenge, how you had to overcome. Yep. And when we look at businesses, do you share your story with those businesses to help them overcome that challenge? Or what ways are you, are you taking to help them overcome their challenge? Because I think the, the stories you've given, those are great ideas. Are you using those same stories to help your client overcome? Because Definitely. Definitely. They need I mean, it's, it's who I am. I mean, it's, it's what makes it help. It's what gets me to wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and, and realize that, um, the, the thing is uh, that I'm loving about life as I've gotten older is that, you know, um, life has kind of stripped away the veneer mm -hmm. and all the fakeness and anything that's like, well, you know, oh, I can use this accolade to stand on my two feet and I can use this accolade. It's like, this is raw. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you get to a point where you're like, okay, I have to create my life in such a way that I have to be who I am, irregardless of where I'm at. Right. And so whether it's 10 o'clock at night, where if, any, if anybody who's really good friends of mine know by 10, 11 o'clock, I'm like, you know, brain dead and, and sleepy, I'm going to have the same concepts for or if it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm talking with a client over in India, I'm going to have these same concepts because you know, the concept of the, the music and the productivity, the workplace culture and neuroscience, all of those are who I am yep. as a person. There are things that I believe, you know, as part of my core and things that I practice on a daily basis as part of my life. And these stories, and, and again, life kind of sends you down this journey and things that you thought were, you know, I mean, I, I remember, I remember going to the hospital on in the ambulance with the vertigo and the room spinning and my eyes shifting and not knowing. And then the doctor come and saying, this is not normal vertigo. In fact, you, you, it impacted your right inner ear nerve to where by 86%. So you only have 14% capability. It's amazing. You can even hear. Mm. I remember laying in bed for a week. I couldn't look at my laptop. I had a ringing in my ear. I felt like I had a concussion and was on a large ship in the middle of the ocean. That was that was in turbulence and all i could do was lay there and pray and but remembering that okay is this gonna be my life or am i going to be able to work through this and realizing then that okay god had really given me something that i love but it's really a gift mm -hmm. that he gave me because he knew down the road this was going to happen i'd be able to heal myself or be healed through this process of music I love that, Gerald. This is David. And I'll tell you, I feel challenged now. If I'm, ha I'm having any physical health ailments or mental ailments, I I I've got to be able to start picking up a music here. <laughs> I, think, I, I think, but there is something about meditation. There's something about centering yourself. And I can't tell you how being able to sit back on a long day, pop in a CD, listen to some music, listen to some jazz, sometimes listen to the classical musics, it's really amazing how much you can alter your health and alter your perception uh, just by sitting down and listening, sitting right. down and relaxing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, quick question for you. Could you share maybe a story? By the way, I, I wanted to put you on the spot, Gerald. I was so <laughs> tempted to say, take out the bass. Let me hear something as we close <laughs> off our time together. You know, but, but the reality is um, for all of us as executives and as business leaders, we're always on the go and it's hard to unplug. It's hard to turn off. And I think there's so much to be said about how music can help facilitate that. Yeah. How else do you envision this upcoming year or this year that we're in 2021 for let's say newer businesses or let's say businesses that are seemingly stuck? What can they start doing right now to continue to try to get that oomph, that push to move forward? Um, I really think it's, it starts with the leader. It starts at the top, it starts with the leader and it starts with their vision and their values and it starts with their mindset. And what I mean by that is um, one of the things that that I also will attribute a lot of my growth in the last year to, despite the pandemic and despite the constraint of the virus and, and the work constraints that we have, is I went to a conference with a friend of mine who's a guitar player and speaker named Mike Rayburn. And Mike is he's spoken all over the world. I mean, he, he makes, you know, really good money for every speech for one hour of speaking. He's performed at Carnegie Hall 10 times. Wow. And the guy really knows his stuff. He's, an, he's a, a virtuoso guitar player. And he has a conference and he talked about what if. And one of the things he said that he learned from Brian Tracy, who, by the way, I did get an endorsement from on my yep. book. Saw that. Um, um, that he learned from Brian Tracy was that if he wrote out his goals as affirmations every day and then just kind of closed the book afterwards and then just spent time visualizing himself living that experience of uh, that those goals being accomplished that that would change his life so i was like okay pretty straightforward Get, wrote out my goals bought me a journal Here's an example of one of my journals that I use for this. Um, it's a little leather bound book, you know, little spiritual concepts on the front, but it's basically empty pages. And I use it every day to write out my goals. And then after that, I do that, now let's do some meditation music. And after I do that, I'll do it first thing in the morning. I'll write out my goals and then I'll sit there for like 20 minutes. And then I just visualize myself living as if all of my goals have been accomplished. Nice. Now, from a neuroscience standpoint, I read a book called Evolving Your Brain. Yeah. And they talk about the same principle, but here's what happens neurologically. When you're doing that exercise to take yourself to a different level, your entire body begins to recreate itself because your brain doesn't know the difference between doing something physically and visualizing yourself doing something. Mm. Plus, you also uh, inactivate what's called the reticular activating system, which is like a filter. Mm. It's like when you buy a new car and now all of a sudden you start noticing that car everywhere else. Yeah, It's because it's become a part of your sphere and your reticular activating system has brought it in. And so by doing that with your goals, right? By doing that with your goals, you then filter out all the other noise in the world and you start seeing everything that's going to bring your goals into into being. So that's why I say it starts with the top, because if the leader is really capturing and developing themselves and they have that vision and they're programming themselves and they're developing that mindset, 
then one, they're going to really believe it and they're going to share it as though they really believe it because they do. But then two, because of the mirror neuron effect, everyone around them on their team is going to see that this guy is going places. This guy really gets it. He's taking us to a whole nother level and they're going to get involved and they're going to want to know what makes you, how'd you, what, what are you doing? Yeah. And you share with them. If you're, if you're a good leader, you're going to be a tour guide. You're going to share with them how to, how to, what you're doing, how you're doing it. And you're going to take them along with you. And next thing you know, all of you guys are going up to the top of the mountain together. I love it. I love it, Gerald. And I, I can't tell you how important it is to understand the value of meditation, the value of affirmation statements. And the fact that you keep it in your journal is amazing. And this past week, I spoke at an event and I actually shared about that, the power of visualization, writing out just a couple affirmations and then telling yourself that every single day and learning to rewire your own thinking, yeah. learning to be able to replace that negative narrative, that story of being defeated or that story of not accomplishing great things, yeah. a new story because you've laid the foundation with those affirmation statements. So I'm grateful that you've done that with your life. And I remember when you were going through that bout and how you were still preparing for that TED talk, you were resolved that you were going to be able to get on that stage and that you were going to be able to share your message. And that's why in so many ways, as a friend, I've been so encouraged to share that with so many people. And so Gerald, I want to really thank you for taking some time to join us today. I know that you and I have got a lot that we've been discussing in terms of how we're going to work together this year. And, right. and uh, I, I'm sure Dan will get involved because you guys will start talking about jazz and music. And I, I'm just going to try to be that little brother that tries to squeeze in and just be a part of the conversation. But overall, I want to say it's been an honor to have you on today. Dan and I are, are especially excited for our guests that are going to hear a little bit about you. I will say that if you are listening to this program today, don't forget to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash twins talking up, become a supporter. And we will make sure that we provide links to Gerald, his books, so that you can too implement some of the strategies that he's put in his book for your organization to not only thrive, but to have incredible harmony with the music you play through the incredible leaders and the resources you have. Right. Let's make beautiful music in our workplaces. Let's make beautiful music in our lives. Thank you, Gerald, for joining the Twins Talking Up podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.